0: Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her.
1: And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning.
0: This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, We'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline, like it's our first time, too.
1: During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens.
0: Thanks for listening!
1: Now, on to the episode!
0: Season 4, Episode 8, Hangs. It's a weird... We're just trying to say clearly out pangs.
1: on the podcast. <laughs> what is the pang like, in this episode? We can talk about that later, I
0: suppose. We probably should. We should
1: talk about what the pang is for sure. What, what the pangs are. What an episode. <laughs> I know a lot of people were anticipating us getting to this episode.
0: I was anticipating us. Yeah. And I was a little bit worried because as with some some of these episodes i have this like vague memory it's been you know a couple of years since i watched it and i certainly didn't watch it last time with the super critical or some people would say hyper critical eye (laughs) of our prophecy girls podcast (laughs) it's not as bad as i feared it would be and when i say that listeners please we we will we will talk about the indigenous representation or misrepresentation in the show don't worry Uh, We'll talk about some of the other problematic stuff going on here. But I thought that the core of the episode had some really good comedic elements to it that, I don't know, I I would never put this like in one of my top episode lists. But I think it's a good episode, especially after, you know, uh, we had... Episode 6, Wild at Heart, and then The Initiative, which was a, a, a good episode, but it was just a lot.
1: Yeah, lots of stuff. Um, this is a very lighthearted episode. I've always had good memories of this episode because it's funny. And I think it, it's paced rather well for me. Uh, it's easy to follow along. But of course... There are elements to it that are incredibly problematic. Um, I actually think this episode is the perfect example of how you can enjoy a show, but critique it too, right? Like we, you and I are constantly speaking to people <laughs> or listeners or people who don't want to listen anymore because we're being too critical of the show. And we've talked about this before, uh, but this episode is a good example of how we can enjoy it. Like you're saying, there's a lot of elements to it that's that are funny and enjoyable, but we're also going to talk about how they mishandled the representation of indigenous people and the history that they just you know so loosely used <laughs> when it comes mm-hmm. to the Shumash tribe. But yeah, I, I've always found this episode very fun, and actually, in rewatching it now, I, I got a lot of old the Buffy high school day feelings, and it, for a couple of that. reasons, and I'll bring them up as we go. One very big reason. As we will touch upon very soon. But I wanted to talk a little bit first before we get into it about um, a hot steak sent in by Chloe. Uh, Chloe had said that she had listened to episodes of Métis in Space, uh, which is a sci-fi and fantasy podcast run by Indigenous people, and SlayerFest 98, uh, which is run by Ian, who you and I did a live Instagram with recently, and he is so lovely and so funny. Um, But both of these podcasts did episodes on pangs, and SlayerFest 98 actually interviewed Jane Espenson, who wrote the episode, and she wrote about the research that she did in preparation before she wrote it. And uh, what Chloe had basically said was a lot of people know that the whole concept of the episode was something that Joss was desperate to do. So she thinks it's shitty of him to give the app to someone else to write because the whole concept is just terrible. So Jane in the episode said that to figure out which indigenous people to use in the show, she asked the showrunners where Sunnydale is, where, like basically where it's going to be located on the map. And that's where they figured out that it was the Chumash people. And then she did research for very little time and she never actually went and spoke to any of the Shumash people about it, which contributes to the vibe of the episode, which implies that the Shumash people were all wiped out, which is not true. So, uh, Chloe, thanks for that little tidbit. I did go and listen to Slayer Fest 98's episode, um, and usually we don't. Car and I like to um, go in fresh without listening to other Buffy podcasts, just because, you know, we want our opinions to be our own. But I did go and listen to this one because I wanted to hear what Jane said about the behind the scenes stuff. And it's absolutely true. She only had a couple days to really do research on it. And I think she did what she could. And a lot of the writing of Willow in this episode, she said was coming from her and a lot of Giles and Spike was coming from Joss.
0: Why am I not (laughs) surprised?
1: (laughs) Shocked. Shocking. Shocking. Uh, but yeah, that is a really good episode for some backstory on the building of the script here. So if anyone wants to go listen, go check them out.
0: Yeah, Métis in Space is a wonderful series. I haven't listened to their Pangs episode, and I'm glad I haven't because didn't want to get influenced yeah. uh, going into this one. But it, it's, um, it basically critiques Indigenous representation in sci-fi and fantasy. Both of the hosts are Métis, which is one of the Indigenous peoples here in canada um and i've read a lot of one of the hosts other works uh chelsea vowell Uh, she's written some really good nonfiction, uh and she just came out with i think it's a it's either a novel or a collection of short stories i do not remember remember off the top of my head it's called buffalo is the new buffalo um and it's like sci-fi indigenous futurism which i just love that idea Mm -hmm. So, you know, go listen to the voices of Indigenous people critiquing Indigenous representation. Neither Steph nor I are Indigenous. We're going to do our best here um, to share our thoughts based on our understanding, but, you know, we could screw it up as well. Um, and I think the other thing that Chloe pointed out here that's very important to keep in mind is when we say Indigenous, we're using this really broad term for all the different nations that have been living here since before Europeans came here. And when we say that, we kind of erase and flatten the differences. You know, it's, there's no such thing as one indigenous culture. So in this case, this episode is using the culture and history of the Chumash Nation, uh, which was based in, in what is now Southern California. And like, I'm, you know, props to Jane Espenson for at least going that far and naming like a specific and actual nation. Mm. Although as we saw in twilight with the Quilute nation, sometimes that doesn't do so well. Um, and yeah, both the Quilute and the shumash they, they're still around um, and they they still have their, their own traditional culture and stuff that is at risk because of the, the complex and, and sensitive history of um, of genocide mm-hmm. in both Canada and, and the United States and in other parts of the world with Indigenous peoples. So this, I don't, I don't know, I don't think this is going to be a heavy episode, but just fair warning that we're going to get into these kinds of issues from time to time as we go on.
1: Yeah, and hey, you know what? In a lot of ways, good for the episode for trying to have some sort of nuanced conversation about it. I don't think it, it worked out, but let's let's start. Let's start. Yeah. Uh, We start off with an innocent-looking boy or uh, young man, and he's walking through the woods, and he's looking scared because Buffy the Vampire Slayer is following him. And she's like, looking for me? And he's like, what do you want? And she, she punches him. And it's, of course, because he is a vampire. And she's like, look who's home, because he's got his vamp face on, and he's like, Slayer. <laughs> Why don't you just go back where you came from? Things were great before you came. And his voice is so low.
0: Maybe they ADR'd it.
1: <laughs> yeah, like he just has like slayer. Um, so they fight for a bit, Buffy stakes him, and she's like, uh, they say one person can't make a difference. And then when she's done dusting him, she like looks up and because she like senses something, and she's looking around, she doesn't see anything, so she walks away. But who is in the bushes, Kara? It's Angel. Angel, my boyfriend's back.
0: Do you do you need a moment,
1: chat? Oh, uh, I'm so happy to see him. On I needed him this week. This week was a big one. <laughs> I was telling you before we started recording, um, and also like where uh, Wild at Heart dropped today, and that's a heavy episode, as we all know. So like, I just needed to see him. I just needed to. For face. my
0: part, I'm just happy to see that he's back to his season one lurking ways
1: hey vampire is gonna gonna lurk (laughs) i've always said that but mostly this is what i'm saying this is another reason why it kind of brought me back to that old high school vibe and one of the reasons is because angel's crossing over he's visiting over from la we don't know why yet uh but here he is and like he's lurking he's watching buffy from the bushes he loves doing that so (laughs) back at it um After the credits, we cut to the Scoobies visiting me at work. (laughs) So um, a big part of my job is organizing groundbreaking events for politicians and ministry officials and things like this. So (laughs) this looked more than familiar to me. Uh, Xander is now a construction worker. He's, He's got a job as a construction worker, a laborer. Uh, Buffy, Willow, and Anya are watching from the side. And as we said, the dean of UC Sunnydale is introducing this professor. Her name is Professor Gearhart of the anthropology department at UC Sunnydale. And what they're doing is they're building a new cultural center at the site. So this is the groundbreaking for this historic event in Sunnydale. So the press is there. They're doing speeches. There's a a podium. So Anya is saying... Uh, she 's actually doing a really good impression of me when I see angel because she 's just like, "Look at him, have you ever seen anything so masculine <laughs> and uh, she 's talking about about Xander in his construction gear, uh, which I will say is not off to code xander 's arms should be covered, and Buffy <laughs> says, Yes, very madly, not at all village people, which is actually quite interesting because Buffy is wearing a cowboy hat in <laughs> this scene." And, Cara, do you think this is a little reference toward cowboys and Indians? Like, that whole
0: Absolutely. thing?
1: Yeah. It's a little on the nose, you guys. Anya says, uh, it, this is much sexier than his last job. And Will says, oh, but I miss the hot dogs on sticks. And I was like, what? So, in three months, Xander has had multiple part-time jobs that never last. Like, apparently, he used to work at this hot dog stand. He was a bartender. He was helping Giles out with something. And now he's mm-hmm. a laborer. So, why can't he keep any of these jobs?
0: It's a tough labor market, Steph. You know, they hire you and then they lay you off because work slowed down.
1: Yeah, or maybe Jack had to, like, close the whole pub down because he was poisoning the students with
0: laced beer. That could also be it, yes. Well, we
1: we missed a whole episode about the hot dog stand. (laughs) So... Anya says that she's imagining having sex with him right now.
0: (laughs) So once again, it's you. (laughs) That's me
1: again. And also Anya is like in full Anya force in this episode. Like, you know, we've been getting to know her slowly over the past you know, half a season, less than half a season. But here is like classic Anya saying whatever comes to her mind does not care about human decorum or social cues. She just says it (laughs) and it's so funny. Well, but
0: also one of the things about Buffy that I do enjoy in terms of looking at the show as some kind of um, feminist work is the fact that they allow the women on the show to express their sexual desire, right? We've seen that in the girl talk with Buffy and Willow throughout the past couple of seasons. Now we're seeing it in Anya, right? Like, women do talk about this. They're they're not always quite as frank as Anya is, although sometimes, but, like, women also have sexual desire, and we just don't see it depicted quite as much in our media, maybe a little bit more nowadays, um, as we do men's desire and the male gaze or especially the straight male gaze and that makes me think about it's been a while since we referenced that famous season two episode go fish <laughs> my fave but this scene reminds me of go fish because in that episode we had another moment of the female gaze on xander harris when he was wearing a speedo And we've come such a long way, and it's just, it's so interesting to me how this episode positions Xander as some kind of sex symbol.
1: Well, whenever he shows his arms, I mean, in Go Fish, he showed more, but in this episode, his arms are out, and yeah, Anya is, like, panting. (laughs) Um, So Professor Gearhart is saying it's appropriate for the groundbreaking for the UC Sunnydale Cultural Partnership Center uh, to take place so soon before Thanksgiving, because that's what the melting pot is all about. Contributions from all Mm. cultures, making our culture stronger. Mm.
0: (laughs) So before we get into what Willow says in rebuttal, I just want to point out because, you know, Steph and I are Canadian, so we didn't grow up with the whole melting pot myth. Uh, we talked about multiculturalism here in this country <laughs> the melting pot is not something to celebrate the melting pot is painted over assimilationism right like it's it's come to our country and your differences are making our culture stronger um so even even right now like i am not on professor gerhardt's side here no
1: Boo on you, Professor Gearhart. And Willow calls this horse hooey, which I love. I love that saying. She's like, oh, horse hooey. Because I often like to call things, um, I say this is tripe (laughs) a lot. So (laughs) any of these kind of phrases bring me joy. Uh, Thanksgiving isn't about blending of two cultures, she says. It's about one culture wiping out another. Then they make animated specials about the part with the maids and the big belt buckles, but they never show you the next scene where all the bison die, and Squanto takes a musket ball in the stomach. So Buffy's like, are you channeling your mother here? Like, some of that was your mother, right? And I lolled because I was like, (laughs) Sheila (laughs) would. If there's anything we know about Sheila, it's like, yeah, for absolutely that, that... she would say that to willow and i also kind of like that like this is the beginning of this kind of conversation that they're going to have in this episode and i like that they're doing it in 1999 i wasn't expecting it in a in an episode like this at a time like this
0: yeah i had i had forgotten that willow comes out with such a passionate speech right at the beginning of the episode Mm -hmm. i I remembered her being anti-colonial later in the episode but not right now And, you know, she goes on to say, you know, our mom doesn't celebrate Columbus Day, which is great. (laughs) And I know that a lot of um, places in the States have now renamed Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. I'm all in favor of that. Um, Or Thanksgiving. And uh, Willow's talking about, like, this is the destruction of Indigenous peoples that we're talking about. And she says, I know it sounds a little overwrought, but, you know, really, my mom's right. And Buffy then says... Yeah. I just guess I've never thought about it mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And and that really hit me because like you said this is an episode from 1999 but it almost this conversation almost sounds like it could be in an episode of TV today where you know Buffy in this moment is the privileged white woman and her idea of progressivism is very much wrapped up and insulated in her experiences and her whiteness. You know, she considers herself to be a feminist and strong, a strong woman. Um, and I'm sure she thinks of herself as progressive on issues of race. You know, I have black friends. We never meet any of them. But I'm sure she has some. Um, you know, she, she kills white vampires. She kills Asian vampires. You know, equal opportunity. Um, That's the melting pot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Making our vampire culture strong. But really, like... I like this because this is true of so many white people, including, you know, especially like white women these days, where it's like you think of yourself as, as progressive, but you then somebody says something like Willow does, and you're like, oh, I just never thought of it that way. Yeah, of course you never thought of it that way. You never had to think of it that way because our entire society has been built around coddling you so that you never have to confront these uh, painful parts of our history because it might make you feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I just I really like that they included that line and that they acknowledged that Buffy is fallible. And by extension, you know, white people, white women, we can be very fallible in these moments. And when somebody like Willow comes along with these perhaps overwrought statements, we really need to bite down on that instinct to like minimize it and dismiss it and be like oh what are you like you know like you're harsh in the vibe here willow and we need to like sit with our discomfort which i think you know we can do throughout this episode
1: yeah well said and i i think it, it's just such a progressive dialogue to be having in this episode i wasn't expecting it you know uh so buffy lets us know that joyce is at aunt darlene's we don't know where aunt darlene is she's not here is she the one that like is in in near nor'western or wherever buffy got into
0: northwestern yeah yeah so so i believe that's the same, ash, same you know. head
1: yeah so yeah so joyce is gone for the weekend or for the week i don't know how long you get off um anya says that she loves a ritual sacrifice and buffy's like that's not really one of these and anya's like no 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 to commemorate a past event you kill and eat an animal it's a ri- it's a ritual sacrifice with pie <laughs> and i love that so as professor gearhart starts you know, doing the groundbreaking and digging in the ground Anya gets really stressed about this and she's like what's she doing Xander's supposed to dig I want to see Xander dig despite she's not rippling at all <laughs> like she's really upset <laughs> and the funny thing to me though is that in indeed once the crowd starts leaving Xander does start digging he just starts digging a hole in the middle of the area and i'm like no no no. they would have a machine do that Like i don't think they're <laughs> like what are they digging anyway um he falls through and but not before anya says soon he'll be sweating i'm imagining having sex with him again and Buffy says imaginary xander is quite the machine <laughs> such a good again, line
0: i'm just i'm loving this dialogue because it's it's the <laughs> sexy girl talk right yeah, and yeah. i appreciate that the show took the time to include
1: that. yeah it's really fun and, and funny and and uh And when Xander falls through, he falls into this cavern. Uh, He's fine, but he's looking around. You know, there's objects in there, symbols, never a good sign. This could have been another hyena spirit episode for all we know. Uh, We cut to the next scene, and Angel is wandering UC Sunnydale campus the the 4 miles he's just scoping out the scene. He's looking up at Buffy's dorm room window and Buffy is staring out the window too. And cuz she can sense him, like she can totally sense that he's there because Buffy and Angel are soulmates, they are twin flames and they are everything and I like want to ball my eyes out the fact that they're <laughs> almost together but not. <laughs> uh, behind her, Willow is saying that they discovered the old Sunnydale mission. That's what the, the thing was that Xander fell in today. Uh, everyone thought it was lost. And then she's like, Yoo-hoo, you there? Because Buffy's not paying attention. And she's like, Okay, sorry, tell me all about it. And uh, Willow says that there was a huge earthquake in 1812, and the mission was leveled, but they just built over it. They like they thought it was gone, but what they did was just build over it. And like she says, like in the 30s with the church, when the master... I guess, uh, do you remember back in season one, there was a big earthquake in the thirties and the master was like buried in a church or something like that. So she brings that up and I was like, well, that's a blast from the past. So there are a lot of people partying outside because it's a post midterm frenzy, says Buffy, and everyone's going home for the holidays. And I'm guessing this is like reading week to them, or is it like the holiday from, like do universities in America, do you get off literally all of December because like Thanksgiving's so late in November?
0: No, I think, yeah, I think they just have like a week off or a holiday around okay. Thanksgiving. But yeah, any of our American college-going listeners could possibly write in about how you manage your wacky holiday <laughs> schedule.
1: <laughs> because I'm pretty sure when I was in university, we didn't get a reading week in November. We got like Thanksgiving, no, we got like a day off.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a relatively new thing yeah. in Canadian universities. I know they've brought that in recently. But Must yeah, be So nice. just as a reminder, here in Canada, our Thanksgiving happens in October mm-hmm. and... It was originally created, you know, we don't have the same kind of tradition around the Thanksgiving that Americans do. The, the whole story that Willow was critiquing about the settlers and the uh, indigenous nations coming together. Um, that's not really what our Thanksgiving started as. It was mostly just an excuse for a harvest holiday. But over the, the decades since we implemented it. We have, of course, imported a lot of the the American cultural tropes. So I remember in school, like, making the turkeys and also, like, uh, decorating, like, pilgrim buckles and stuff, even though that was not a thing here in Canada ever. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah, Americanization is weird. But anyway, um, what were we talking
1: we're, about? We're talking, we're talking about Thanksgiving and Buffy. So Buffy is jealous that they're all going home with their families for some family time. And she's like, you know what? I should have my own Thanksgiving. Have a meal just like my mom does and have all you guys over. It's going to be great. So another flashback for me for this episode is just because, like, Buffy, once again, is leaning into her, I want a normal human experience side. Right? And we don't see – we haven't seen this in a while. And,
0: and like, why is her mom leaving her on Thanksgiving? Why didn't Buffy go with her mom to Aunt Darlene? Because I just don't, I don't think
1: it. Joyce – is actually at aunt darlene's i think she's doing something oh, black market
0: related of course right so silly Kara. like Cara, you're come totally on. right Steph. or
1: or could it be that <laughs> she has taken her last case of band candy and gone to the forest for a wild <laughs> thanksgiving
0: week i mean that's also a possibility it could be both right like business and then pleasure
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah. so the first half is business, second half is all about the band candy, so um yeah so so, so I think that Buffy is looking for this i need I need something happy, I need something normal and human and good that brings me back to my childhood when I was happy again, and I think I brought this up earlier, like the first couple of episodes of this season, there have been a lot of lows. Especially for, for Buffy and Willow, right? Like, Buffy was really out of it in The Freshman. We had a fun episode in Living Conditions, but it wasn't fun for Buffy because <laughs> she wasn't believed. Um, and then, like, harsh on a day, the whole Parker saga, now Willow's going through it. Like, it's, it's just been kind of down. So I don't blame her for wanting to have a little callback to happier times. So Willow says Thanksgiving's a sham. It's all about death. And Buffy says it's a sham, but it's a sham with yams. It's a yam sham. <laughs> And she wants to do it uh, because like Professor Walsh was saying about sense memory, she smells a roasting turkey and she's eight years old again. And I liked having that to look forward to, she says. So again, she looks out the window and says, "Everything's different now. And she's doing that because Angel left and she's been dealing with this, with him leaving all season. So Willow also says there can be slight yams. Like she's getting into the idea. She's like, we could definitely use a little comfort food. And I think that was a little call to Willow, the fact that she's still going through her breakup.
0: Mm, okay. In
1: Wild at Heart, she talked a lot about her comfort blanket, is the, like, the comfort place is the bronze, right? Like, so she's, she's like, yeah, I can get into the idea of Thanksgiving. And Buffy says, you know what, Giles doesn't have any plans, because of course he doesn't. And um, Xander is always eager to avoid family gatherings. And Willow says, we could not invite Anya. And I was like, whoa, and I think we, we've we established that Willow doesn't like Anya, and I think this goes back to, obviously, Doppelgangland, right? Um, but then you and I had talked a couple episodes later, uh, not too long ago, about how Willow just doesn't like women that are into Xander.
0: Yeah, I mean, Anya's the new Cordelia in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. right? She has no tact, and she's into Xander, and she has a tempestuous relationship with Willow.
1: I miss Cordelia. <laughs> Nothing against Anya. I love Anya. But I do miss Cordelia. And Buffy says, well, they're pretty tight, you know, Xander and Anya. And pilgrims aside, isn't the, the whole point of Thanksgiving? Isn't this the whole point of Thanksgiving? Everybody has a place to go. Cut to Spike, who's wandering the forest in like a tattered blanket, like over top of his coat. <laughs> and he's got nowhere to go. Poor Spike. Yeah, poor, pathetic Spike. So Riley and the boys are tracking him. They have their army gear on. They're in full, like, commando makeup and everything. Um, Forrest is saying he's got to go pack. And Riley's like, he's not leaving until Wednesday night because the professor professor wants him there for the briefing. So just a reminder, everybody, these guys are in the initiative. They're, they're army guys. They're undercover. And Forrest says, why are we chasing the hostel? It's neutered. The implant works great. He can't hurt a single living thing. So this scene is specifically there to give us exposition about Spike. <laughs> and um, Riley says he knows about the initiative. That's why he's a threat. That's why we're chasing him. Forrest calls him a mama's boy. They have a little, you know, boyo conversation. Like, do you need to spend a weekend in quarantine? Nope, I'm done coughing. And uh, that's it. I also think it's funny that they're in full army gear. Like out like wouldn't it make more sense for them to just be chill, like in their normal outfits because they're on their own campus? But I digress. We cut to Xander's basement and he's putting his shoes on when Anya comes in and she's like, You're supposed to be digging. Like, I wanna watch you digging and you weren't there (laughs) And Xander's like, I'm going now. I just had a tough time getting up this morning and he looks haggard like he's looking pretty rough and Anya feels his forehead and I love this because she's like oh you're all moist oh oh you're sick (laughs) and she's like well you can't go to work because that you know she's learning about humans and when they're sick they don't go anywhere She pushes him onto the bed, and she's like, you're pasty, and you're wet, and you're disgusting, and they can dig without you. And she's, like, taking off his boots. And she says she's inflicted a lot of putrefying diseases on men when I was an avenging demon, and you look like you're getting all of them. And Xander's like, okay, I'll stay, but you should go, because you could catch it. And Anya's like, we could die together. It'll be romantic.
0: Oh, dear. (laughs)
1: so he's like you're a strange girlfriend and of course that perks her ear and she's like mm-hmm.
0: girlfriend
1: I'm, did you say girlfriend and he's like there's a chance i'm delirious and she's like well whatever's making you sick so far i like it so this is interesting too because in the episode i listened to slayer Fest 98 um jane espenson had said that at this point anya is very much following a script right like a human script that she's learned and read
0: I'm just wondering what she does, right? And I think we brought this up before back when they were in high school. It's like where does Anya live? How does she afford things? Her clothes. Does she have a job? She had does a she car. Have money. Yeah. Does she see any other people other than Xander and the occasionally the Scoobies? Like the show never really addresses Anya's living situation right now. It's
1: true. They don't they really don't care. Like even like a just a little like hint that when she created her teenager life for the wish, that that's what she's stuck in now. Like she had to create a house for herself Mm. and like a wardrobe and everything.
0: Does she have parents? Well,
1: I want to hear people's head on that. Like where, like what is Anya doing to sustain herself and where is she living? So we cut to the green mist rising out of the mission that they found. And it goes into this case that's in professor Gearhart's office. And, It's a Chumash warrior or man. He, like, forms around the knife. He takes it out, and he slits the professor's throat. And it's very, very Ah. graphic. Actually, this episode is quite graphic in a lot of ways. Um, And it's just really unfortunate, Kara. Like, it's just really unfortunate that it's, like, a person of color or a minority and, like, an indigenous person who is killing a seemingly innocent white woman on screen like that's mm-hmm. that's really awkward and poorly thought out
0: absolutely that's the
1: story they're telling but this doesn't make it this right
0: and, and for this to be the, the first time we've seen an indigenous character in the show other than perhaps empada um mm-hmm. both the actual person who was murdered brutally at a bus stop as well as the mummy who took his place
1: and her uh the guy that she killed that came back to remember protector of the seal unpot a seal she killed him too right yeah.
0: yes so we, we've we but again like wrapped up in a lot of harmful tropes mm-hmm. um yeah like it's unfortunate that this depiction is so narrow like this is the problem with the representation of indigenous people in media is so often like if you have a male they are a warrior and if you have a woman they are, you know, the princess. Um, and there are a few other tropes, like shaman or elder, right? And it's just like, <sighs> there's not enough room in these shows for indigenous people to just be people who are just like everybody else, you know, to one degree or another, rather than these stereotypes. So that's the that's the essential problem of this episode, right, is whatever Joss Whedon and Jane Espenson and all the other writers were trying to do with this episode it is fundamentally flawed because to engage with these issues in this way is in and of itself stereotypical
1: Uh this is only the beginning it's the first time we're seeing him so uh buffy and willow cut to the next day i'm guessing um buffy and willow are investigating the professor's office and i was like this also gave me high school buffy vibes right when the scoobies would go investigate Mm -hmm. and they, they haven't broken into a you know a crime scene in a while so like and even willow says that she had already looked up the coroner's report Like she's already broken into that, and which is when was the last time she broke in there? Once again,
0: Sunnydale Corridor's office, super efficient.
1: (laughs) They've not done anything to up their security.
0: (laughs) No need. But like this, I've mentioned this before, right? Like they can get these reports. Like sometimes it's the same day that they get these reports, and I'm just like, whoever's working at the Corridor's office, I want a whole spinoff because you do your job really quickly. Yeah,
1: they've got like they have a team of like (laughs) twenty. One body per person. Yeah, so so Willow is suggesting that maybe because the professor was missing her ear, that maybe they're looking for a witch because there are great spells that work better with an ear in the mix. And Fluffy's like...
0: I, I don't want to know why Willow knows that. I guess
1: she just reads a lot, I guess, hopefully. Um, Buffy's like, that's one fun little hobby you got there, Will. <laughs> so... Willow is like, trying to, like, come up with ideas, like, why they would need the ear. Like, maybe she cut it off herself, like, all the stuff. And then Buffy notices that something is missing from the case, and it's the early 1800s shoemash knife. So, cut to Buffy and Giles's kitchen, and she's telling him... <laughs> about you'd think she's telling him about the murder but she's not she's saying that it was a riot at the superstore and she almost used her slayer powers on a woman who was hoarding the pumpkin pie filling and giles is like okay so at some point you're going to tell me about the murder and Buffy's like yeah yeah the, the knife was some sort of indian artifact she says Shumash. giles says uh, um he's like oh okay so he knows of this already he says that they were indigenous to this whole area
0: they, they were,
1: were yep yeah. Um, And the murder weapon might have been a convenient choice. And Buffy's like, nope, because there there were scissors lying right there. The knife was picked for a reason. And then she's like, do you own a turkey pan? And Giles is like, well, why aren't we doing this at your house? And Buffy's like, Giles, if you want to get by in American society, then you're going to have to follow our traditions. You're the patriarch. You have to host the festivities or it's all meaningless. And Giles is like, this is in no way an elaborate scheme. To stick me with the cleanup, and she's like, "How about that ceremonial knife, huh?" I'm like, "Oh my god, this is so funny." So, so Giles agrees that he's going to look into the Shumash connection, right? And if it's significant with ear removal, and Buffy's like, "Okay, great, I'll be back," but she pauses before she goes anywhere because she feels something, possibly in her loins. <laughs> i know i was
0: just because that's where you feel everything (laughs) for this show
1: i'm thinking about having sex with him right
0: now (laughs) who giles or angel
1: both leave buffy so i can have my way so giles so so giles says um are you all right she's like yeah yeah i'm fine i'm gonna go pick up a few more things she goes and as soon as she goes giles says what do you think and angel emerges he was in the back room or in the closet or something
0: Giles and Angel working together once again. You know, we touched on this at the end of season three, but like Giles got over the whole torturing him and also killing his girlfriend thing fairly rapidly.
1: Yeah, and remember he helped obviously protect Angel when he had the poisoned arrow, but that was more so for Buffy, of course. But now
0: they're like hanging out.
1: Well, yeah, they're here and they're in cahoots. And I also think that Giles was much happier about doing that at the end of season three because angel was gonna go he was he was leaving he's a good get out of here so i find giles very cold toward angel in this scene and it makes sense obviously he hates angel Like <laughs> angel <laughs> killed his girlfriend and tortured him and puts his slayer through the ringer so he doesn't like him uh and i felt that i felt that coming out so angel says she sounds good kind of intense about this Thanksgiving thing. And Giles is like, yeah, I think perhaps she's a little lonely, but I meant about the murder. (laughs) He's like, do not talk about her. And Angel says, whatever killed the woman in the museum, that's probably the danger. So Giles lays it all out. He says, your friend had this ominous vision about Buffy. And that's all terribly vague. There are other things happening on campus. And like, frankly, Angel, Buffy's in trouble every day. So so I think for people who don't watch Angel the series or who haven't been following along with what's going on with him, he's in L.A. and he has met up with his friend Doyle, who's basically Whistler, except they've recasted Whistler as like a hotter Irishman. What Doyle does is the powers that be, who are some ominous higher power up that control everything, like, I don't know, closest thing to God, I guess. I don't know. They give Doyle visions and it's Doyle's job to tell Angel what he saw. And then Angel goes and helps that person that he saw. And he's going to work toward making amends this way with the help of the powers that be and helping people in need. So Doyle saw a vision of Buffy. So he's in Sunnydale to to check it out. So so Charles is, like, saying, like, well, like, there's a lot more than just this happening on campus. And Angel says, well, I have to try something because I can't just keep watching. And Giles says, well, I'm glad you're watching out for her, but I feel I should remind you that she's not helpless and it's not your job to keep her safe. Very true. However, he's sent there from the powers that be. Like, he didn't just be like, oh, I better go protect Buffy and then yeah, do nothing. They are
0: very selective about the visions that they give to Doyle. So mm-hmm. if they gave Doyle the vision to pass on to Angel, there's a reason for it. So I see what you're saying, Steph. It's not like Angel uh, gets visions of Buffy being in danger every single day. <laughs> and he's always running down from L.A. Like, he's he has stayed away. And I think he's done a good job of staying away up until this point. So it it is a big deal. Although I just think ultimately you know the pr- the problem is the the antagonist in this episode is not that much more formidable than we've seen buffy deal with in the past it's yeah. like is, is this really why she's in
1: danger like, i want to talk more about that later for sure because that was a big point of mine but like for now when mm-hmm. there i know a lot of people might say that like angel she's the slayer she doesn't need you and also like as a woman she doesn't need a man to come and protect her but he's actually there because he was sent there right so angel shoots back He's like, well, it's not yours anymore either, right? It's not your job to keep her safe either. So you're gonna walk away. And I was like, nice, <laughs> true. Yeah. So Giles and Giles sees that, right? He's like, all right, I, I feel we should tell her. I just don't like keeping her like this is a secret from her. And Angel says, I, if she knew I was here, it would distract her. She'd get hurt. I just don't want to get in the way. And Giles is like, you're assuming that this is this connection is to the old mission. Like obviously something is very angry and about being disturbed. Or and Angel says, well, maybe it was trapped there and it's now it's released so angel gives giles a hot tip and says go talk to father gabriel who i don't know why he knows father gabriel's go talk to him um he knows the history of this place and his family dates back to mission times so he can fill in some blanks uh giles says he'll get in contact with him angel goes to keep watching so, so Buffy.
0: again notice how the recommendations go talk to this catholic person uh who, whose ancestors were colonizers rather than hey maybe we should go talk to one of the shumash people who are still living <laughs> in this region still very much alive
1: kara they were wiped out. If Giles says so, <laughs> we have to believe it's true.
0: <laughs> I mean, Giles has been wrong before.
1: He's been very wrong before. It's it's so true. It's so true. But whatever. We're going to go talk to this priest, I guess. So Angel goes to keep watching Buffy. And Giles says it's not fair. He's like, you know what she'd say. You can see her, but she can't see you. And Angel's like, I'm not getting the good half of the deal here. To be on the outside looking into what I can't. Like, I'd forgotten how bad it feels. So... Like you're saying, Kara, like Angel's back to his stalking ways. This is just, you know, he's he's not even that good at it anymore because it's been a while. But I think I think his mistake here is that he isn't talking to Buffy directly. I can see where he's coming from, where it's true he left because he wants Buffy to have a better life without him. And I understand why he doesn't want to interject himself when he's only been gone for a couple of months, he doesn't want to put himself back in her face. And I think it's also that he also doesn't want to go through it. It hurts enough for him to watch her from Mm -hmm. the outside, but to go back in there, their breakup was not smooth. Remember how brat, like he called her a brat at one point, like remember how hurt they both Mm -hmm. were from that? So of course he doesn't want to get back into it. So I get where he's coming from, but I do think the best choice would have been to tell her.
0: I agree. This is not the right decision, but like you said, I can see why he's saying it because it's, there's no good way to do this, right? Because how do you, how do you do that? How do you call up the phone when you haven't talked to Buffy for months and be like, so Buffy, um, I heard through a vision that you're in danger, right? Like the conversation just won't go well. And something we know about Angel's character is he avoids these kinds of emotional confrontations, already mm-hmm. so him doing this whether or not we think it's a good idea him doing this is very consistent with the somewhat emotionally stunted man that he <laughs> is sorry Steph
1: hey I've always admitted that he is and I love him anyway and this is also like classic Buffy and Angel right it's complicated it's there's never just that one easy answer it's complicated so speaking of you know, how bad it feels to be on the outside. we've got Spike, who's looking (laughs) in on some vampires who are feeding on a human. And he's he's like the sad, like homeless man outside that can't go in and eat the dinner, right? So it's like, that's the parallel to Thanksgiving, I guess. Um, Willow and Buffy are out searching for real whipped cream, not the canister kind. And uh, Buffy is telling Willow that Giles got a hot tip that Giles told her to go talk to this priest. So she's going to go head over there. And then we hear, Buffy, Buffy. And who is it? It's Riley. And I want to say, Riley who? Like, I know, like, you know, not me two episodes ago saying I was attracted to Riley. But now that Angel's back, I'm just like, who are you? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Isn't there a cow that needs tipping somewhere?
0: <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> back
1: to Iowa with you. Um Oh. <laughs> so riley is <laughs> riley ran over to talk to her because he likes her <laughs> and he's like <laughs> he's like hey to willow uh and willow is so funny she's like whoa they're selling coffee in the coffee shop yum and she leaves and, <laughs> and she likes she to talk because she's a good friend and she bumps into Angel, and I don't know if Angel meant to bump into her or she like actually just casually bumped into him. Uh, but he he puts his hand over her mouth, so she because she shouts, "Angel!" <laughs> with his hand still over her mouth. She's like, "Evil! You're all evil again." <laughs> <laughs> and angel's like i'm not evil and this is my favorite joke the wrong running joke it's,
0: it's so funny and i i have to imagine they must have done this take like a hundred times <laughs> because i can't see allison hannigan and david Boreanaz not breaking out into laughter trying to get through the scene. you're
1: evil again i'm not evil i'm here to help buffy that's
0: exactly what evil and jealous would say <laughs>
1: i could like, just i guess i don't know what it is about this joke that's so funny like because angel i guess he just has like an ominous presence to him like he so does not fit into Sunnydale anymore he outgrew it in season three and so when well, he comes back he's, he's also
0: just, assaulting willow Right?
1: he's like grabbing her <laughs> uh, anyway um He's like, my friend had a vision. Buffy's in danger. And Willow's like, yeah, so go tell her. And Angel's like, no, no, no. If she sees me, it'll be worse. No,
0: I have to make it more complicated for reasons. There's,
1: I just, we are complicated and we have to follow the script. But it's true. You know, honestly, it's true because an angel, he gets very involved with his with his visions usually. But I honestly think he doesn't want to because he just doesn't want to fight with Buffy, you know, um, or make it, make it hurt. <laughs> so Willow says, I don't get that. All right, like all this leaving for her own good garbage because that's what it is. You can't just give up because there's obstacles and Angel's like, Willow? And she's like, oh yeah, sorry, sorry, my stuff um so angel says you know how i feel about her if there were any way it's just that everything's different now and will's like yeah is cordelia really working for you because that's got to be a special experience of all the people you could have hired and i don't think we've talked about this either we know that cordelia went to la but cordelia like angel has employed cordelia she does his files (laughs) and his invoicing it's
0: the best it's the
1: best it's it's the fucking best so Angel's like, look, I don't have time to talk about this. I'm here to, to, to protect Buffy. I don't have a whole lot of time for personal stuff. And Will's like, okay, how can I help? And she, he's like, can you just tell me, like, who's that guy? <laughs> and um, I don't blame him for asking this question. I think a lot of people think he's prying here. But, like, for me, I'd ask the same thing if I saw my ex with somebody else. I'd be like, who is that? So cut to Buffy, who's talking to Riley. She's telling him about... The dinner she's pro- she's planning, and she actually invites him. Right, she's like, if you don't do anything, come on over. And he's like, no, no, I'm out of here tonight. Um, he's flying back to Iowa. I think I I said before he's from Iowa and before I even like thought maybe he's from Kansas. (laughs) But I like Buffy here because Buffy says that's somewhere in the mid, (laughs) in the mid area, right? Um, So he says him and his folks, you know, they get together for Thanksgiving at their grandparents' house. It's a little farm and they have dinner and then they walk the dogs by the river. And, you know, he's like, you're thinking I grew up in a Grant Wood painting. And she's like, I don't know what that is. And Riley's like, just a guy who who paints stuff um, that looks like where I grew up. Yeah, they just say, like, you know, have fun. Riley's like, home's a place where you have to go there. And Buffy says, they have to take (laughs) you in. So they're finishing each other's sentences. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) I mean, to be fair, that does sound like a pretty sweet deal. And coming from Thunder Bay, I feel like I identify more with Iowa than I do with California. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds like a nice family holiday it's exactly where i picture riley during thanksgiving (laughs) um (laughs) we we hear get out it's harmony harmony is kicking spike out of her lair
0: again i forgot i always forget we get these little appearances by harmony in this season it's so good
1: yeah and he's trying to he's like babe this is where i belong (laughs) and she's like out i mean it i've been doing a lot of reading and i'm in control of my own power now so we're through but it's like she has been reading the same self-help books that joyce was reading in season one (laughs) or the books on tape spike grabs her and he starts to kiss her shoulder he's like seducing her you know he's like you don't mean that and she's like yes i do i do (laughs) and he like carries her over to the bed and she's like i mean it a lot and he's like yeah i knew you'd end up welcoming back with open arms and he's like trying to seduce her right and harney (laughs) says no I'm powerful and I'm beautiful and I don't need you to complete me and you're mean. And she grabs a stake from under her mattress and Spike recoils from that immediately because he's very vulnerable right now. And he's like, you had that in our bed. Do you know how dangerous that is? And Harmony's like, let's find out. And Spike's like, you wouldn't. And she's like, you did it to me, remember? And she's progressing on him. He's like falling backwards on the stairs. He's like, all right, all right, I'll go. But just... Can I have someone to eat? And then she advances on him. He runs out.
0: He's so pathetic in this scene. <laughs> I know. And go go, Harmony. Like, good for you, girl. Throw that guy out. Yeah.
1: And remember the last time we saw Harmony, her and Xander had like a very evenly matched fight, we could call it. <laughs> so the fact that, that Spike can do even less than Xander, he can't even pull her hair right now. So how far spike has fallen um buffy is at the church looking for father gabriel and oh my god he is hanging the the chumash warrior hung him by his neck and cut is cutting his ear off it's very very gory
0: i mean once again right like stereotypes of indigenous people is the mutilation of their enemies and yeah that has happened but
1: we don't have to put it here
0: europeans also did that yeah um, yeah we
1: don't need to put it right here. and
0: yeah the, the focus on the goriness as you said the graphicness of this is once again it, it's propagating these very awful stereotypes about how indigenous people acted and lived back in the day right because they're focused on the history of it Uh -uh. Yeah, I don't like it.
1: Yeah, I don't like it either. And neither does Buffy. So they start to fight. And uh, he says, you can't stop me. And she's like, you're very wrong about that. And they fight some more. And I was like, Angel, where are you now? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Shouldn't you be following her? Um, uh, Shumash Warrior says, I am vengeance. I am my people's cry. They call for Hoos, for the avenging spirit to carve out justice. And Buffy says, did they tell you to start an ear collection? So they're fighting... She's about to, st- to stab him with a knife. And he says, you slaughtered my people. Now you kill their spirits. This is a great day for you. And that makes Buffy hesitate. So then he turns into a murder of crows and flies away.
0: Nice track.
1: A very good way of traveling, I must say. Vampires turn into bats in other literature and lore. So why not crows? At Giles's the next morning, he's telling Buffy that it's common for Indian spirits, he says, to change into animal form and Buffy says it's uncommon for me to freeze during a fight and like she had the guy she was ready for the takedown but she stopped and then she corrects him and she says it's Native American we don't say Indian and
0: you just said it earlier in the episode r- Buffy.
1: right I was just gonna I like I was like Buffy did you not just call it an Indian knife earlier
0: <laughs> well like I'm glad that she's doing this because yeah. this is exactly what you should do with your friends right is if they misstep you should just correct them gently and, and move on but it's just like Okay, Buffy.
1: I, I mean, I, I like what Giles says here, too, though. He says, ah, oh, yes, I'm always behind on the terms. So I think this is something, too. It's like, if you're going to correct somebody, it's also okay to not be right about it. Because, you know, how mm-hmm. do you know until somebody tells you? And then he also says, I still try not to refer to you lots as bloody colonials. So Buffy says, the thing is, I like my, I like my evil like I like my men. Evil. <laughs> Buffy, that's not true. <laughs> Oh dear. Unless <laughs> well, she's talking about Parker, which is true. But uh Angel was not evil when you left him. <laughs> but it's such a funny line. So she she says, um, straight up black hat tied to the train tracks, assume my electro ray will destroy Metropolis bad. And I was like, that is a straight up Joss Whedon line right there. Like you know he wrote that. So she says she doesn't like her when her guilt is mixed up in the destruction of indigenous culture. And Giles says, the spirit warrior, Hoos, has killed innocent people. And Buffy is more concerned that Giles doesn't have a ricer. <laughs> She's like, you don't have a ricer? And she doesn't even know what one looks like. And Giles says, well, mash them with forks, much like the pilgrims must have. Did you catch the part about my the innocent people? And Buffy says that she does want to stop him. Uh, she just doesn't want to do it. She wants to do it in a non slay way. <laughs> And there's a knock on the door, and it's Willow, and she brought peas and a lot of books. And she says that the books are about the Chumash tribe and the buried missions. And Buffy's upset that the frozen peas are not the ones that you can shell, and they're going to be mushy.
0: Okay, Buffy, earlier you were complaining about having trouble getting pumpkin pie filling. Okay, you you say you want to do this Thanksgiving the right way from scratch. You're not making your own pumpkin pie filling from a pumpkin?
1: Uh... What a hack. (laughs) You didn't grow your own peas starting in the summer to shell for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Okay. Did
0: you not raise this turkey (laughs) and name it and call it your sweet friend and now you're going to wring its neck and serve it up for Thanksgiving? As
1: the ritual sacrifice it is. Buffy,
0: you're a fraud.
1: Yeah. Buffy, we need you to step it up, okay? This is obviously your first Thanksgiving. So Willow is saying uh, she didn't have time to go and get other peas because she's busy reading about the Shumash War. And Jal says, war? The Shumash were peaceful. And Will says, they were peaceful, all right. They were fluffy indigenous kittens until we came along.
0: Oh, so here's the other thing, right, is when we're not busy portraying indigenous peoples as bloodthirsty warriors who want to kill and scalp and cut off ears, right, the opposite stereotype is that indigenous people are peaceful and... At one with nature, and you know they can see the colors of the wind and talk to animals. Yeah, it's the it's the
1: <laughs> noble savage trope.
0: Yeah, and it's just that's also bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like again, we want to see characters on TV who are people who are real. Yeah, and and uh, so you know even even Willow in this episode, as much as she tries, she's not. She still has these rough moments.
1: Well, she still has further in her journey of learning to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willow says that what they did to the Shumash was imprisonment, forced labor, herded like animals to the missions full of bad European diseases. It gets better. The few Shumash who tried to rebel were hanged. And when a group was accused of stealing cattle, they were killed, men, women, and children. And for proof to bring back to their accusers... And Jal says they cut off their ears. So Buffy says, so Hoos is recreating all the wrongs done to his people. And Jal says it's up to us to stop him. Buffy says, yeah, but after dinner, <laughs> right? And Willow says, well, we are we sure we shouldn't be helping him? And Jal says, I think perhaps we won't help the angry spirit with its rape and pillage and murder. And Hoos, the, the wolf, he's a wolf, is watching through Giles's window <laughs> this conversation. Willow says that we could help him redress his wrongs, bring atrocities to light, and Giles says, "Okay, well the history books uh, if the history books are full of them, then we've already done that." And I was like, "Giles, <laughs> like you boomer?" Like
0: clearly not. Come on.
1: <laughs> clearly not. Exactly, clearly not. It's not just about writing them down in a history book, it's about doing something to help. Willow says we could give back their land and Giles says it's not ours to give and Willow says I don't think you want to help. I think you just want to slay the demon and go, la, 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 la. And Giles says, I think your sympathy for this plight has blinded you to certain urgent facts. We have to stop this thing. And as they're having this argument, um, the camera is slowly zooming in on Buffy, who's between them, and like watching them fight and getting more and more distraught about it.
0: It's the twitchy (laughs) eye from living conditions again.
1: She's like, this is Kathy all over again. So it's like zooming, zooming in, and um, Willow is calling him Giles, unfeeling guy. And he's like, "That's not fair." And then she just shouts, "I have to baste," <laughs> and leaves. She goes into the kitchen, and Giles pulls Willow aside now, and he says, um, "He's got reason to believe that Buffy herself may be in particular danger from this menace." And Willow says, "You mean Angel? I saw him too." And Giles is like shocked. He's like, "Well, that's not terribly stealthy of him."
0: <laughs> it's not. <laughs>
1: And Willow says, oh, I think he's lost his edge. (laughs) But they both agree that Buffy doesn't know anything, like not a peep. And Giles says, I think this is why we should all keep a level head in this. And Willow says something so amazing. She says, mine is the level head and yours is the one things would roll off of. (laughs) Ooh. I love that line. Um, knock at the door. It's Anya and Xander. And Anya is supporting Xander like with her body because he looks awful. And Giles says, you look like death. And Willow says, are you okay? And Buffy says, you didn't bring rolls? Oh,
0: my goodness.
1: <laughs> so I really like this dynamic. because, And it carries on into the other scenes, too. But, like, Giles is taking the side where, you know, there's nothing that we can do. We, we won the battle. Like, it is what it is. He's dead. Like, let's just fix the problem now which is
0: a, a very common reaction by people who learn about these atrocities because they, they didn't learn about them school and they're like well it's in the past what do you expect us to do we can't fix it now yeah
1: yeah and then willow is very much on the side where like it's not too late we can still do our part to make things better and easier and more equal and like you know she's on the progressive side of it even though like we said she's got a little bit further to that's go. true
0: although i was pleasantly surprised to hear her say the phrase land back because that is something that comes up a lot these days as it's it's the key kind of component to what's called decolonization right which is this is stolen land and ultimately indigenous nations should be the ones who have sovereignty over this land and a lot of people when they first hear that they get very nervous and they're like what do you mean do you mean like all these you know settlers we should all like go back to our original countries and like leave And it's like that's that's not what proponents of decolonization are saying and we're not going to get too too into it in the podcast here but i I would strongly encourage everybody especially um non-indigenous people who are living in canada in the united states like go to native-land.ca and look up like whose land you're on and do a little bit of research on the concept of land back and what it actually means because it's important that we participate in this stuff as best we can Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so we got these two sides of the argument here and then we have buffy in the middle who literally doesn't want to worry about it uh she just really wants to have thanksgiving dinner and have the family together and have a, a nice time it's very much that that way of approaching these family events where you're like we don't talk about politics at the table Right? We don't talk about these things at the table. The table is just for family and for light conversation. I think that's what Buffy wants. But I also think it makes Buffy really uncomfortable. Be- and as we saw, right? She hesitated. Like, she, she, is on willow's side but she also has to act on giles's side right well she's a slayer Mm -hmm. we cut to Hoos, who's breaking into the museum and taking all the indigenous weapons uh xander is lying on giles's couch and buffy's stirring something in a pot next to him and anya's dabbing his forehead and xander's saying the doctor couldn't figure out what was up with me he has a lot of symptoms that don't connect was
0: this the chatty doctor or was this the unhelpful er doctor who probably thought xander was on drugs
1: (laughs) maybe there's a tag team of them both you go see the judging one first for the facts then you go to the chatty doctor for the hugs <laughs> so buffy says to willow didn't you say the Shumash got all diseased when they got held up by the mission and willow's like yeah and she's found like various things in the books and xander like panics the word various and she's like it's the important thing is not to panic they did suffer from malaria smallpox and anya's like i was gonna say smallpox <laughs> And then Will says, y- you know, syphilis, but basically standard sort of stuff. <laughs> and Sanders like, syphilis.
0: I love that he's more concerned about the syphilis than the smallpox. Like syphilis is not a fun disease, but smallpox is going to kill you.
1: Even when I was younger and like didn't think too hard about it, I was always concerned. like, why does he not care more about smallpox? Smallpox is terrifying. And, and I also think... Um, xander and nicholas brendan do, do a really good comedic job with this this episode um Agreed. the way he panics about his illness and willow says that it's probably mystical right so it'll go away as soon as and buffy's like as soon as what because we don't know what we're gonna do yet and willow's like well maybe i can find something and giles is like yeah let's give him back some land i'm sure that will clear everything right up oh
0: my god giles. i
1: know giles is being so brutal in this episode buffy says sarcasm accomplishes nothing giles <laughs> And I'm pretty sure Wesley said something very similar to him in Earshot. So Xander says, can we come rocketing back to the part about me and my new syphilis? And Anya says, well, it'll make you blind and insane, but it won't kill you. The smallpox will.
0: Thank you, Anya.
1: Right. And smallpox, like... Ooh, there was an episode on ER where, like, the kids brought back smallpox from, like, Africa or something, and it was like...
0: Of course they did. Of course they I'm did, yeah. Tr- trust the ER not to be accurate Oh, all. yeah,
1: yeah, but it was disturbing, and I've been terrified of smallpox ever since. So, of course, Willow wonders if there's a Wiccan spell that can cure it, you know, a potion, and then she pulls up the spell, and she's like, sage, salt, onion, and Buffy's like, that's the stuffing! And Xander's like, oh, God, like, this is... you guys are useless. And um, Anya points out that he's gonna get... Um, vesicles and pustules because there's pictures of it and Xander's like I hate this guy and Will's like well he's just doing what was done to him and Xander's like I didn't give him syphilis <laughs> and Giles says no no you, you freed his spirit and after a century of unrest he saw you as one of his oppressors and Xander says this isn't fair and Giles says but why did they target the other ones and Xander asks Buffy to go slay it and Z- Buffy's just like I'm uncomfortable like, she's uncomfortable she's like I don't, I don't know what to do and Will says there's two sides to this. And Xander says, well, the representative from syphilis votes yay. And then he says, he's a vengeance demon. You don't talk to vengeance demons. You kill them. Oh, Xander, like, I know you got syphilis and smallpox right now, but that was really insensitive because Anya says, I didn't know you felt that way. And then this was hard for me to write notes about because there are two arguments happening at the mm. same time.
0: Well. Also, like, Anya, what do you mean you didn't know that he felt that way? I mean, he was pretty clearly on the side of Vengeance Demon bad in the past. Like
1: He's been nothing—he like, brings it up quite often since uh, since graduation day, part one and two. And then when they got together, like, he says, like, you're a Vengeance Demon. And he did say, like, that's more on me than you, like, the problem with it. But she knows he's got a problem with that. And we all know that Xander has a problem with demons, But apparently, you know, not enough that if they're hot and they want to sleep with him, that's fine. But if they date Buffy, God forbid. So Willow is saying to Giles that um, he's a spirit, not a demon, like hus. And Giles and her are arguing about killing him or not. And Anya's upset with Xander because of what he said about demons. And Xander's like, I didn't mean you. And Giles is saying, like, we can kill hosts or bind it or whatever whatever we need to do yeah willow like we all appreciate your perspective and willow's saying it's not perspective it's about what's doing doing what's right and giles doesn't want the murder to go unpunished as in like the murder of father gabriel and uh the curator and anya is telling xander you're just saying all this because you're intimidated by me which i thought was a really interesting line from anya because she's actually standing up for herself because i think we forget like when we first meet anya she is a thousand year old vengeance demon with an attitude and in double gangland she's very authoritative right like she has Mm -hmm. this like edge to her but lately because she's uh, acclimatizing to being a human we haven't seen that edge in her she's being more like aloof and quirky and saying whatever's on her mind but like when she said that line it just jogged me back i'm like oh no she's formidable this one So uh, Buffy, again, wants to break up the fighting. And she stands up and she's like, this is no good. And they all stop talking. And she's like, it needs more condensed milk. And she goes to the kitchen. So Giles follows her and he's like, Buffy, Xander's in real danger. Are you sure the solution is pie? Buffy says she'll take the pie over the bickering and confusion. And she wants Mm -hmm. to have a nice dinner and she wants to have both. She wants to like, you know, deal with this problem and have dinner. And a story, Giles says that, uh, vengeance is never sated Buffy. Hatred is a cycle. All we do, all he will do is kill. And then there's a knock on the door and they go to it and Buffy, there's no one there at first. So Buffy kind of starts to walk out and then Spike comes in his blanket and he comes in his blanket.
0: <laughs> Are we supposed to think this might be Riley at first? Because who else could be invited?
1: Well, I thought it could also maybe be Angel.
0: True. Although it is during the day. and I think Angel's Angel's smarter than Spike in that way.
1: I know, even though it is Angel who invented blankets during the day because he did that That's true. in season three. Um, it's not Angel. It's not Riley, which w- you ought be okay with that. It's Spike. Spike grabs her <laughs> and he's like, help me. And she pushes him back like almost into the sunlight. And he's like, uh, what part of help me do you not understand? And Buffy's like, the part where I help you. And Spike says, I'm parboiling out here. And Giles hands Buffy a steak, and she's like, do you want me to help make it quicker? And Spike says, invite me in. And Sp- Buffy's like, no. <laughs> and Giles is like, fairly unlikely. And Spike just, he's, he's like, um, he tries to run in. <laughs> but he's prevented, obviously. He's like mad with hunger right now. And he says, look, I'm safe. I can't bite anyone. Willow, tell them what I did. And Willow's like, you said you were going to kill me and then kill Buffy. <laughs> And Spike Spike is like, yeah, bad, okay, but let's skip to the part, let's skip that part and get to the part where I couldn't bite you. And Willow says it's true, he had trouble performing. And Spike says, look, Spike had a little trip to the vet and now he doesn't chase the other puppies anymore. I can't bite anything. I can't even hit people. And Buffy says, oh, so you haven't murdered anyone lately? Let's be best pals! (laughs) Which is so... True, and so funny, and, like, two things with that. Like, is that not a great summary of the show? (laughs) Like, oh, you're not dangerous? It really (laughs) is.
0: It really is. Like... Even up until this point, and it only becomes more true as the show goes on. <laughs> like,
1: every, like, demon that we've come across so far. Oh, you're not dangerous anymore? That's fine. Um, but, also, like, why is Spike coming to Buffy? Like, of all the people
0: for him to go
1: and seek help from. He has
0: nowhere else to go, right? Like, he has to throw himself upon her mercy.
1: It's so, f- we like, what does he think she's gonna do? Um... So, so, and that's basically Spike says, I've got information about the soldier boys that you're fighting and I've got the inside scoop. Like, come on, what are you afraid of? Uh, so we cut to um, the Ahus and he's in the mission and he's saying, and he's like raising up more spirit warriors, more indigenous warriors, I guess. <sighs> so um, he he's calling on actual, like, he's using words. He's saying first people who dwell in Mishupushup, uh, hear me and descend. Walk with me upon Etia's ship again. Hear me, also Nabnushush or something. Um, sorry, I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right. But um, he's calling on spirits, and I wonder if this is part of Jane Espenson's research. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know either. Yeah. And this scene bothers me because so he's using words that aren't English, but he's still speaking in English overall. Yes. Um, And also something I I found out when I just quickly looked up the Chumash is the the last speaker of the Chumash's language died in the 60s. So nobody actually speaks their language anymore, which is incredibly tragic. And so there's something that makes me very uncomfortable with the show kind of appropriating the idea that he's speaking this. and, And like you said, like, I don't know if they tried to find authentic chumash words, but it's like, it, it's really just, it doesn't work on any level.
1: Yeah, I know. It's like, you didn't have to do any speaking here at all, really. You could have just had them rise, right?
0: Didn't have to do this episode.
1: You also didn't have to do the episode, but you know what? Joss Whedon wanted a Thanksgiving episode about this.
0: All right, well, if Joss wants it, I guess we have to do it. And
1: actually, in Jane Espenson's um, interview with Ian from Slayer Fest 98, she was saying that Joss Whedon came to them and said he always had a vision in his head of people sitting at a Thanksgiving table eating an indigenous person's body, like the dead body on the table. And that was the premise of this episode. Obviously, they don't eat the dead body, but the idea of that is kind of what sparked this The
0: more and more I learn about Joss Whedon, the more disturbed I get.
1: (sighs) Yes. So let's get to a little humor. Uh, Buffy is tying Spike to a chair. Um, He's complaining that it's tight, and she's like, I don't care. (laughs) And Spike says, I came to you in friendship. Well, seething hatred. But I've got very useful information, and I feel like I'm being mistreated. So Buffy's like, tell me everything you know. And he's like, I'm too hungry to remember anything. So she slaps him (laughs) and then says, sit. So giles is saying the victims apart from xander are targeted authority figures the priest the curator who else fits this pa- this pattern and um buffy says the dean because he was at the ceremony and he you know he's the leader of the university and Giles says we should go warn him so buffy's asking willow how do we kill him in a nice non-judgmental way <laughs> And that's Buffy's issue, right? Uh, And Willow says, I'm not on board with this, all right? I don't want to help you kill him. It's not a Western. It's not a Fort Giles with the Calvary coming to save us. It's one lonely guy. And uh, Buffy's like, well, he's killing a lot of people. And Willow says, I didn't say he was right. (laughs) And Buffy says, I feel bad about this. It's eating me up. And then she also cuts, because at the same time, Anya's helping with the cooking. So she's like, a quarter cup of brandy and let it simmer. (laughs) Uh, So even though it's hard for Buffy. She's like, we have to end this. Yes, he's been wronged. And I'd personally, I'm ready to apologize. And Spike says, oh, someone put a stake in me. And Xander's like, you got a lot of volunteers in here. And Spike says, I just can't take it with all this mamby pamby boohooing about the bloody Indians. He's like, you won, right? You you came in, you killed them and you took their land. That's what conquering nations do. That's what Caesar did. And he's not going around saying, I came, I conquered. I feel really bad about it. He says, the history of the world is not people making friends. You had better weapons and you massacred them. End of story. So... Buffy said, so Buffy's trying to say like, well, the Spaniards actually did a lot of it. Not that I don't like Spaniards. And Spike is like, don't, just listen to you. Like, how can you fight anyone with this attitude? And Willow says, "Uh, we don't want to fight anyone. And Buffy says, I just want to have Thanksgiving. (laughs) And Willow says, we could talk to him. And Spike says, you exterminated his race. What could you possibly say that would make him feel better? It's killed or be killed here. Take your bloody pick. So Xander says... Uh, It might be the syphilis talking, but some of that made sense. And Giles says, well, I brought up those points earlier, but no one listens to me. (laughs) Ah, And Buffy says, either way, they need to go warn the Dean. And Willow says, I'll go. I need the air. And Anya and Xander are going to join him. And Spike said, join her. And Spike says, leave that one. He's talking to Xander. He's like, he looks like he could drop any minute. And I think I could eat someone if he's already dead.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And Buffy's like, hurry, dinner's in an hour.
0: I, I have to say, like, this is my favorite part of the episode, is Spike being introduced into the mix this way. He is such good comic relief. Just the, he has chemistry with everybody. Yeah. That's really something special.
1: Yeah, he's he really is a breakout in these scenes. He's a standout. In a lot of these scenes, I, I really enjoy him in, when he's doing this, right? When he's, like, calling everybody out and just laying it out. I think Anya is a really good character for that, too. But Spike can do it in a meaner way. Like, Anya can be mean and very direct. Well, but there,
0: there are some other differences, right? Like, Anya's being direct because that's all she knows. Spike understands tact. He can be tactful when he wants to be. He's doing that on purpose. Mm-hmm. He wants to be mean, and, you know, because he he can. not He can't Who's bite evil? people right now. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, he's evil and hungry. all he can do to channel his evil is to be venomous. Yeah,
1: it's true. And like they still let him sit <laughs> sit with them in this room. And um, he's bringing up very harsh points on this argument. But, I mean, he's just taking over Giles' side, but a little but more harsher. And um, I want to bring up a very quick uh, hot steak from Elizabeth here. She sent in a hot steak that we're going to read out later, too. But this is the end part that I wanted to share now. And I want to share it now because she says... Our sweet honey boy Angel, (laughs) she wants to share his part of this conversation if he were part of it, if he were in the Scooby gang right now she says that I think while he may agree that it was necessary to stop the cycle of violence, Angel ultimately would have disagreed with the men in the scene, including Xander and the British ones. He would have disagreed about the necessity and inevitability of the colonial oppression and violence, being that his experience and his history as an Irishman also likely had an undercurrent of struggles with British colonialism, as Ireland was under British colonial rule during a during and prior to his time as a human. So it's definitely fun to think about that history and how that might have influenced his dynamic with Spike as well. Ooh. I love that bringing in. And we've talked about this before, about the the history of mm-hmm. Ireland and how Angel plays into that. So very well thought out, Elizabeth. Thank you.
0: Um, I just want to toss in a little historical tidbit here, which is here in Canada, one of the models that the Canadian government used when they were first forming police services here, the uh, RCMP or as they were called at the time, the Northwest Mounted Police and in Eastern Canada, the Dominion Police, they used the um, constabulary that the British formed to police, you know, Irish people um, as a model for like, this is how we keep colonized peoples down. Mm. So there is a connection of how like Britain's colonialism in Ireland was used as a role model for Canada's colonialism and oppression of Indigenous people.
1: Mm. So what an interesting conversation it would have been had Angel been at the door and, you know...
0: Right, but of course that didn't happen because Joss Whedon, you know, pretends that he cares about these issues, but really he doesn't want to engage with these issues in good faith. He just wants to make quippy remarks that make him look good as a creator without really tackling the problem. It's true.
1: Very true. So... This, so we can assume that um, they walked to campus, <laughs> so they're going to be gone for roughly three hours, and uh, Buffy is setting the table, it's dark out now, and Spike is wondering when he's going to get fed, and he's like, do you know what happens to vampires who don't get to feed? And Giles is genuinely interested in this, he's like, I've always wondered that. And Spike says, they're living skeletons, mate, like fa- like famine pictures from those dusty countries, only not half as funny. So Buffy says, you can have gravy. That has blood in it, doesn't it? (laughs) And Spike says, you know what has blood in it? Blood. And Buffy says, I'm going to gag you. Like, I'm not going to have you whine all the way through my dinner. And it's going to be nice, quiet, and civilized. And suddenly, an arrow hits the table and hus Hoos is at the window shooting, shooting arrows down. And Buffy's like, oh, you, um, listen, maybe I wasn't clear about how terrible we feel. Like, we're sorry. And then she says, more arrows start flying. And she says, you can have casinos now. Oh. <sighs> oh, yikes. Oh, yikes. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Oh, yikes. So okay. For um, people who
0: aren't aware, Ray, is, and I'm always ugh. just thinking of our listeners outside of North America as well, there is a stereotype in more so in the states than in Canada that all tribes have casinos on their land and make a lot of money mm-hmm. that is not true there are some tribes a small number that have casinos and have profited off of them but the vast majority of nations in Canada and the United States the vast majority of First Nations, live in poverty they experience some of the highest poverty rates in so-called developed countries yeah you know often we have people say that it's like having a quote-unquote third world country within a first world country so that's why this line is so racist right it's the fact that Buffy is once again erasing the differences across different nations but also like just saying you can have a casino does not fix all of the complicated problems created by colonialism. And for this line to be thrown in here as some kind of joke, you know, it's just like, ugh. There are
1: also I mean, there's so many places too that don't allow indigenous people to enter casinos because they know that yeah. they're not they don't have money and they're not coming in here to gamble.
0: Yeah, there's there's a whole other, you know, there's tropes, racist tropes around Indigenous people and gambling and addiction yes. and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot here in Thunder Bay because we have a large Indigenous population. We have a casino here. Um, indigenous people often go to bingo halls. And, and, and you know, I think we forget that this is something that a lot of Indigenous people do because these uh, pla- these gathering places are cheap to enter, right? It's easy to go to a bingo hall and it's easy for, you know, people to gather there. And you can hang out with your friends and your family members. You're not going to be chased away because you're playing bingo together. And, and, and so we we need to remember that, like, the things that we observe in our society and we're so quick to judge and ascribe them to these stereotypes that we've been brought up with, thanks to representation on TV. Um, Really what they are is they're the result of social conditions. They're the result of circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, and. and yeah, I just, ugh. Yeah, so we didn't like
1: that line. Um, chaos is breaking out. Another spirit breaks through another window. Like, poor Giles' house. Rest in peace, Giles' windows and, and <laughs> carpets and everything. Um, so so they're under attack, basically. There are arrows flying everywhere. Buffy and Giles duck under the table. Spike gets shot through the chest. <laughs> and he's like, you're just going to leave me here? And then he gets shot. He's like, hey, watch the heart. <laughs> So at the Dean's house on campus, I guess, on campus, um, Anya, Willow, and Xander are leaving and they 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 bump into Angel. And Angel, Anya's like, so this is Angel. He's large and glowery, isn't he? And Anya wants to bang Angel. So I think
0: that... you are Anya, staff. <laughs> like
1: I am Anya. I really, I really am. All
0: the man-hating we do on this show. <laughs> you do the perfect Anyanka voice. You're lusting. I mean, okay, I, I apologize because I don't i I don't want to suggest that you're lusting after Xander, right? But to be fair, in my defense, Xander and Angel. They do the not same, so. you've
1: been warned to stop making that comparison. And I will not warn you again, madame. Um yeah, so but yeah, I mean it is pretty clear that Anya immediately is attracted to Angel because uh, she's a woman. Uh Xander says he's evil again. <laughs> And he's just like, I'm not evil again. Why does everyone think that? It's so. It's just such a good joke. It's so funny. I mean, to be fair,
0: for <laughs> at least one third of the time that everybody in the show is knowing you, you were evil.
1: They, you barely, <laughs> and that's his point, right? He's like, "I've been evil for a very long time," is what he says. I think Angel, I, I just think it's because no one expects you to be there, and you just pop out. You just pop out of nowhere, and it, it's surprising, Surprise! right? You just come out of nowhere. And um... I mean, we know
0: he's not evil because <laughs> he's not smoking cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah exactly. Exactly. If he was uh, smoking cigarettes and wearing his leather pants, that's a different story. So he says that all of the Shumash weapons are missing from the cultural center. So something's up. Where's Buffy? And Willow says she's still at Giles and we think he's going after the dean because he's in charge. He's like the leader. And Angel says, well, to a warrior, the leader is the strongest fighter. Ugh, Angel, why weren't you in this conversation? Ooh. So he says, Buffy. <laughs> So he's like, I'm forming, um, uh, forming a raiding party. Um, I'll call her. You get back fast. And he's like, you guys can ride. And he breaks a bike chain with his bare hands. It's so hot.
0: <laughs> are you, I was about to say, are you swooning right now, stuff?
1: <laughs> he's gonna start sweating soon. I'm imagining myself having <laughs> sex with him right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh dear. this is great
1: I, he should visit more often um giles oh receives the call giles, i love that angel calls him giles receives the call and he's like yeah we're aware like we're under siege thank you and buffy's like who is that he's like it's someone we, we, we need a plan and spike now has three arrows in him
0: <laughs> i think this is hilarious so you know speaking of sight gags yeah. like oh my god spike tied to the chair <laughs> arrows impaling his chest like he cannot do anything right
1: yeah this is i mean spike is hilarious in this season but in this episode particularly it's one of the funniest parts that he's one of the funniest things he ever does so he's he's like he's covered in these in these arrows and he's like yes let's talk about it some more and he like rolls his eyes so Buffy is trying to get to Giles's weapon chest but she gets shot in the arm and Giles is helping her remove it and Spike is like remember that conquering nation thing forget it apologize and Buffy's like shut up Spike and Spike's like fine I'll do it myself hey hey sorry sorry and then he says sorry about that chief uh which we should not be saying and uh they count the people attacking them and they realize that there's way too many and they need help so right as Giles says we need help We cut to the Scoobies. (laughs) Willow, Xander, and Anya are on the bikes that Angel got for them. And they're biking, I'm guessing, the 5K across the forest and campus to get to Giles'. Also,
0: doesn't Xander have syphilis and smallpox (laughs) and malaria?
1: But the the music is like hero music. It's like da da da. I love the
0: music. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So like (laughs) the cut is genius. It's so funny. And like again, it's gonna take them. I don't know how long it takes to bike five k. I think it's probably gonna take them at least twenty to thirty minutes to get over there. Uh, depends on how fast you bike. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. But that's probably right, right? So anyway, so funny. They do arrive and they see that the warriors are all outside jaz's apartment shooting in from the windows xander breaks a potted plant over one anya and willow are fighting another with shovels so it's like so much for peace willow like here we are another one breaks through jaz's other window and again like rest in peace jaz's apartment like oh my god it's getting trashed um buffy starts fighting him Jazz is fighting him spike gets shot again <laughs> he's like bloody hell um Lots of fighting, but these guys don't die. They realize they're not dying. And um, Angel shows up, and he runs up behind the one attacking Willow and Anya and breaks his neck. And Anya's like, well, what do you like when he is evil? Because Anya wants to do him. Buffy's fighting one spirit, and as as she's doing that, another one is advancing on her from behind, and she can't see him. So Angel looks through the window, and throws a knife and stops the other one from stabbing. That he just
0: happens to have. Yeah,
1: he just happens to have it. And he throws it and stops the one warrior from stabbing Buffy from behind. And then he starts to fight the one that you already just killed because, again, they can't die. They're all fighting. It's chaos. Buffy cuts Hoose with his own knife and he transforms into this giant black bear. <laughs> and this is so funny. Spike is like, a bear! You made a bear! And Buffy's like, I didn't mean to. And he's like, undo it! Undo it! So...
0: (laughs) Spike is... Like, I I just don't understand why Spike is freaking out so much about the
1: bear. Like, he he must have, like, a phobia. Is he
0: afraid of bears? Is that what we're learning from this? Like,
1: something about the woods scares him. (laughs) So, Buffy's fighting the bear. It's so funny, because at one point, you can tell it's like a costume bear. Like, it's a real bear. I don't know if they brought the real bear on set or what, but there's another shot of her fighting a a guy in a bear costume. (laughs) And, um xander comes in and he's like hey gentle ben over here And he starts throwing potatoes at him he's like that's for giving me syphilis and that distracts the bear enough for buffy to stab him with the knife and he poofs in green smoke as do all the others
0: oh that was easy that
1: was really easy too easy um everyone's standing around angel's watching from the window for a second she sees that buffy he sees that buffy's okay and he leaves (laughs) No. Um, Buffy senses senses him and looks outside the window, but it's too late. He's already gone. So here is where I put my note that as much as I like to see Angel crossover, right? This is nice to see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the episode that I listened to with Jane's interview, she says that the reason they put him in this episode and the reason they set up this crossover now was about scheduling. It wasn't about storytelling. They just sometimes they have to look and see schedule wise when they can shoot these actors on different sets so that is why they wrote him into this particular episode and i think it does a disservice because he doesn't do anything yeah it just sucks because these villains as you said are not quite they're not like a big bad it's not like something that's like really formidable like (laughs) all
0: angel does in this episode is throw a knife when you think about it right like
1: he didn't do much everything
0: else they had already figured out
1: yeah you're right he came in he threw the knife he left and that was all the vision was thanks doyle (laughs) so um cut to the scoobies who are all around the dinner table spike is there too they've let spike sit at the table with them which is so funny um willow says she feels lousy because the turkey was really yummy but did you see me two seconds of conflict with an indigenous person and i turn into general custard And Giles is like, well, violence does that. Instinct takes over. And Spike says, yeah, that's the fun. And Xander says, nobody asked you. And Spike says, lay off. You all had a fine meal. Me, an entire siege. You'd think one of you would bleed a little bit.
0: I mean, Buffy did. Yeah,
1: Buffy did. And Buffy actually looks real healed up really quickly. Um, Giles congratulates Buffy on both counts. She should be pleased. And Buffy says, it wasn't exactly a perfect Thanksgiving. And Xander says, seemed kind of right to me. A bunch of anticipation, a big fight, and now we're all sleepy. (laughs) And Giles laughs at that and he says, we did all survive. And Buffy says, oh, I guess that much is true. First Thanksgiving on my own and we all got through it. And Xander says, you know what? I think my syphilis is clearing right up and he's rubbing Anya's back. And Buffy's like, they say romance is dead. Or maybe they just wish it. And Willow says, maybe we started a new tradition this year. Or maybe not. But at least we all worked together. It was like old times. And Xander says, especially with Angel being here and everything. And Buffy looks up in shock. And this is such a great... Xander. Fucking Xander. But this is such a great point of view. Because the entire table is staring at her like apprehensively. Like The camera is where Buffy's head would be. <laughs> everyone's looking at her like... Sorry, everyone's looking at her like... Like, oh God, oh shit, oh fuck. And then Spike is just smirking because <laughs> he thinks it's funny. And then it cuts to black and we hear Xander say oops and then we hear a fork drop, which I
0: assume is Buffy's. Yep. She just murders everybody. This is the last episode of the series.
1: That's the end of this episode. Again, as we said at the beginning, it's funny. The script is is tight. <laughs> like, it's it's got good things going for it. But oh, oh my, oh my, Is not aging well.
0: Yeah, this is a fun episode. I love the comedy in it, especially Spike. I, I just, you know, aside from Joss Whedon wanting to do this episode, you don't really need to do the episode this way. You could have a Buffy wants her own Thanksgiving episode. You could even have Willow popping in with the whole, like, by the way, Thanksgiving actually celebrates genocide kind of thing. Like, you could mention that. You don't need to make a stereotype of indigenous people as your enemy in this episode. It's just it's completely unnecessary. And, and that's kind of what I want to get across here. Right. Is all, for all of our criticism of what's going on in here. The main point I want to make is you just didn't need to do it this way.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Who's your hero, Steph?
1: I said my hero's angel. (laughs) He threw that knife real well. Nice to see him.
0: So predictable.
1: I'm sorry. I'm nothing if not a creature of habit. But also, (laughs) he came all the way from L.A. to protect our hero. And he stayed out of the whole mess (laughs) of of Thanksgiving stuff. So good for him.
0: Um, I have three heroes. I'm going to give it to the women of this episode. Willow, Buffy, and Anya. Willow, obviously, for, you know, at least being aware of the complicated history here. Buffy for a couple of different things, right? She's not jumping on the slaying train right away. She's doing her best to kind of like keep everything going. Um, and Anya, because she took care of Xander and she was actually pretty helpful. She helped Buffy with the cooking, right? Like she she was a good force in this episode. So I'm going to give it to all three of them.
1: Okay, so we have some hot steaks today. As usual. For once. It's not, it's,
0: this is not a new thing that we're doing. Um, so our first hot steak is from Beth or Elizabeth uh, that we mentioned earlier in connection with Angel. And Beth wrote in with, you know, quite a few perspectives here. Obviously, we've we've cut it down a little bit here. But we wanted, we, we were really happy that somebody who is Indigenous wrote in and, and talked to us about this episode. You know, obviously, one Indigenous person cannot deconstruct this entire episode and that's why it's important to seek out other perspectives but we always appreciate when our listeners can write it and share their personal lived experiences as they relate to buffy so beth says a close friend and community member once explained to me an encounter with a stranger this person asked if she was indigenous and after she replied yes the stranger said wow i thought all of you had died Mm. a huge myth of colonialism is simply that we as indigenous people didn't make it. We don't exist anymore, and we didn't live on to modern times beyond what is described in history books. Largely speaking, as modern people, we are treated as invisible. And that myth is definitely propped up in Buffy. Indigenous people are only ever represented as part of history, not as living culture and people. Throughout this episode and more widely in the series, our voices are left out of the conversation. The dialogue between the characters in the scene, as well as Buffy's preoccupation with not skipping Thanksgiving dinner, to me, furthers the narrative that we, as indigenous peoples, were a disruption, and that our genocide was necessary to make way for the Western way of life. When we are represented... The portrayal is no different than a stereotypical Western movie where the old, dead, murderous and vengeful spirits of our ancestors return for blood. Uh, And at this point, Beth rolls her eyes. My traditional teachings as a Chickasaw woman are that all life is valuable and sacred, even the lives of those who have harmed us. And ultimately, I don't see that reflected in this episode or in a lot of other media. Instead, we are consistently portrayed as violent warmongers that are stuck in the past. Thank you for sharing that, Beth. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say anything else on top of this. Like, I'm going to let your words stand on their own. You know, thanks for sharing.
1: Thank you so much. Our next hot steak is from Jessie, who wrote in to say that uh, how much she likes this episode. Uh, season four appears to get a lot of flack from what I hear, but I needed to say that I have a soft spot for it. I adore it. It was the first season I watched live when it was, when it aired. My older sister would stay up late to videotape it for me, and I would rush home after school the next day to watch it every week. I was in year six and I was obsessed. It was the great, it was some of the greatest episodes, but I rewatched recently and had to mention why I love Pangs so, so much. It's a fun episode that is the first part of the greatest crossover in TV history, Oh, whatever could she mean? Uh, But as I'm a huge spike stan, I didn't understand the red flags when I was (laughs) ten. (laughs) <laughs> she needed to add that in. Um I adored him slowly becoming part of the gang and this episode is where it truly begins. The parallels of the bickering and fighting when family get together for holidays is so perfect. In Australia, we have Australia Day, which is effectively the same terrible holiday as Thanksgiving and the parallels to many people experiencing an awkward family lunch like this is also so truthful and somewhat amusing. So, I think Jesse did a really good job of summing up why we why you could like this episode. Absolutely. So, thanks Jesse. So our next one is from Courtney, who wanted to write in about Haley's hot steak from our episode Beer Bad, I believe. Or Do we remember what Haley's hot steak was?
0: Yeah. So Haley's hot steak was about the fact that Buffy always seems to be killing like famous demons, right? Like they have names, they have backstories. And it's like, how many famous demons are there that the entire lineage of Slayers hasn't wiped them all out by now? And. You know, did the Watcher's Council, like, have a catalog that they used to keep track of all this? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: so so Courtney's saying, well, they are vampire slayers, meaning uh, slayers typically aren't hunting demons. Kendra, sent to Hellmouth from a, for a vampiric threat. Faith? Fleeing the oldest vampire, Takistos. Remember him, (laughs) Takistos? But she put Takistos is better. Uh, She says, I think historically they were more vampire slayers than demon slayers. Buffy is set apart because more than vampires are attracted to the Hellmouth's energy. Therefore, she has different foes. Plus, for ratings, it can't be vamps every week. Uh, Courtney also says the Watcher's Council should have a yearbook of demons so they can cross out the pick when Buffy dusts it. (laughs) Love it.
0: I love it. All right. And finally, we're going to thank a new Buy Me a Coffee supporter. Um, Brady actually joined us as a chosen one a few weeks ago, but we wanted to delay the shout out until pangs and you'll see why in a moment. So Brady says, I spent my childhood watching Charmed and Angel with my mom and I watched my way through Buffy for the first time in college instead of studying. Oops. <laughs> Smart. Smart. I loved how relatable it all felt, especially Buffy's struggles during her college years. I related so heavily to feeling like I didn't fit, and Buffy really helped me find myself. Now that I'm a mother, my impressions of a lot of the show have changed quite a bit. My favorite characters are Spike, Anya, and of course, Daddy Giles. And my favorite episodes are definitely Once More With Feeling and "Pangs." This podcast has been so wonderful to listen to, and while I don't exactly see eye to eye with Stefan Kara on some topics, it's still been an absolute joy to tune in every Thursday. I'll leave you all with my favorite quote from the show. A bear. You made a bear. Undo it. <laughs> um, so thank you so much, Brady. You know, we appreciate that you're willing to, like, give us money every month, even when you don't completely agree with us. So, Amazing. So you know, anybody else who wants to give us money to disagree with us, like, <laughs> keep keep doing it. I
1: hated that. Here's ten bucks. <laughs> you're the best.
0: <laughs> uh, and thank you to Brady and all of our other chosen ones, including... Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Molly, Teza, Alexandra, Kyle, Kayla, Destiny, Erica, and Justine.
1: Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options.
1: We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week.
0: We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels.
1: Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter.
0: You can also email us at Podcast at gmail.com Or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord.
1: Praise Moloch!
0: See you next week!